I was thinking about doing some gambling myself. You know, just a little bit of money. Maybe doubling it and doubling it several more times. I don't know. Kind of just for fun. I was thinking, do you have any tips or ideas about sure things? Welcome into another edition of By the Hook. Colby Powell, Andrew Gilman with you on a Wednesday. First time in a few weeks we've been in. We've had some scheduling conflicts, but happy to be able to do it on this Bedlam week. We are getting over our Masters hangover, and what better way to cure a Masters hangover than with some Bedlam football? Not something we get every year, Andrew. Probably something we'll never get again, actually. Uh, Masters and Bedlam in the same week? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen unless they start playing uh, football in April, which I'm all for. By the way, in case anyone asks, give me some Bedlam in April, any time of the, any any year, any time. I love it. Yeah, love Masters and Bedlam in one week. As an Oklahoma State guy, and I said this uh, on the Pistols Firing Podcast with Carson on Monday, Bedlam week is always the most exciting week of the year until Saturday night. Saturday night, as an OSU fan, you're always really disappointed and sad, and you're like, I can't believe I was so optimistic Sunday through Friday. But Sunday through Friday are a lot of fun, and then Saturday is just a disappointment. So you, you tell me, Andrew, as an Oklahoma State guy uh, pulling for Oklahoma State, Will I be disappointed come 10 o'clock Saturday night? Well, I mean, <clears throat> if you're looking at uh, football over, say, the last 100 years, uh, all signs point to yes, Colby. All signs point to yes. I don't know who has the better team necessarily this year. And when I say I don't know who has the better team, I mean, outside of Alabama, I don't know who's good at anything this year. It's hard to say. Ohio State, I guess. But if Notre there was Dame. ever a year for – Notre Dame looks all right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Clemson uh, with Trevor Lawrence? Sure, I guess. Or Oklahoma without COVID issues or Oklahoma State without COVID issues. I don't know who's got what. If there was every year that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State could both make the playoff, because I don't know what the playoff is going to be like this year. We don't know if it's going to be four teams or eight teams or what they're going to do. Uh, this might be the year to do it. Although, I feel like uh, – over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Oklahoma improve, and we've seen Oklahoma State's defense stand out. But past that, I don't know you could be definitive about much of anything with these two teams. Yeah, I do think we've seen Oklahoma moving in the right direction as Oklahoma State's moving yep. in the wrong direction. Now, part of Oklahoma State's movement is due to injury. They did not have Thailand against Kansas State. They only had Chuba for right. a limited portion of that game. Colby Harvell-Peel went out at halftime against Texas. All-American safety did not play against Kansas State. So, uh, not to mention Oklahoma State being on its, like, eighth rotation of offensive linemen. I don't even know how many different combinations they've had to throw out this season. That being said, coming off a bye week, so both teams coming off a bye with two weeks to prepare, get a little bit healthier. You know, Austin Stogner had a little bit of a stinger against Kansas. Uh, Spencer Rattler had a stinger in his hip against Kansas. Uh, so hopefully those guys will be healthy. Hopefully both teams will be as healthy as possible coming into this game. That being said, I, I look at a series that has been overwhelmingly lopsided in OU's favor. Uh, Mike Gundy, 2-13 and 13 as head coach against Oklahoma. Interestingly enough, Mike Gundy is 2-3 and three against Oklahoma after a bye week, which means he's 0-10 if he doesn't have two weeks to prepare, 2-3 and three when he does. D does the bye week do anything for you as far as uh, thinking maybe it evens the teams out a little bit with both of them having two weeks to prepare? I'd say it evens things out. I think OU during that bye week says, how can we get better doing what we're doing? It looks pretty good the last couple of weeks. If I'm Oklahoma State, maybe you're the guy, if you're Gundy in the offense, 
you drawing up plays on the back of a napkin or something, trying to figure out how to get this offense kick-started. It was supposed to be better than this. Uh, obviously, the defense has been exceptional, better than expected uh, as well. But I, I'm trying to figure out a way that they're going to score some points in this game. And I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to listen if you want to convince me. But I haven't seen a lot that tells me that Oklahoma State's going to score a bunch this week. No, the only thing that I could tell you that would be any kind of argument as all, at all is that when they were a little more healthy against Texas, the offense really kind of lit it up against Texas. Now, it was overshadowed by the fact that they just continually turned the ball over uh, all game long, but it was Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders had never thrown for 300 yards in a game until the Texas game this year, and he threw for 400 against Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State ran the ball for 130 yards. LD and Chuba combined for 105 of those. Tylen Wallace, 187-2 and two in that game. That was only two games ago, but man, doesn't that feel like a lifetime ago when that offense was actually moving the ball? It, it, it feels like a, a real long time ago, but I'll say this also, you know, that winning at Tulsa where everyone sort of hung their head thinking, man, Oklahoma State didn't look very good. You know, they had the injuries, obviously. That might be a better win than, than we give them credit for because when they're evaluating teams at the end of the season, it Tulsa's a ball team this year. Tulsa's not bad at all. So maybe Oklahoma State has a pretty good non-conference win in their, under their belt. Now, if you go screwing around and lose to Oklahoma and then go lose to somebody else, it's not going to matter a damn bit. But for now, that's a nice little non-conference win to hang on to. Yeah, no doubt about it. So big game for both teams. Either team can pretty much control their own destiny in the Big 12 yep. if they win this yep. week. So it's pick time. It's a seven-point line. I've been looking at it since Monday. It's it's pretty much stayed lock steady at seven. I've seen it go minus 115, minus 105, one way or another, but I have not seen it move off seven since Monday. So give me a pick, Andrew. OU minus the seven. Over-under is 59 as well. So give me a pick in the game. And give me which side of the total you like. You want to guess the last time we saw an over under in this game lower than sixty? Well, a couple it's been years ago, I was going to say a couple years ago, OU scored sixty two. So, well, there you go. Yeah, in two thousand seventeen, it was sixty two fifty two. That barely, Colby, that barely went over the total of seventy six by fifty points, essentially wow. fifty points. In two thousand and fourteen, the total was fifty seven, and the total and it went to seventy three. So that's way over. In 2013, the total was 57. Uh, then uh, it hit the number exactly. That was 33-24. And if I'm not mistaken, is that the striker touchdown at the end of the game? That uh, yes, I believe so. That that allowed OU to win that one. That's what I thought. And then we saw a total of 47 and a half in 2009. That must have been a dreadful Oklahoma State team because OU shut them out, 27 nothing. I can't even. I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that. That was the game. I'm trying to think back to 2009. That was the game where I think Zach Robinson might have gotten hurt in that game, and then Whedon came in late. I I know. I'm looking at the numbers here. The box score: Zach Robinson was nine of 21 for 44 yards and a pick in that game. That's not good. And Oklahoma State. Hey, just in case you're keeping track, that's not good. And Oklahoma State ran the ball 29 times for 62 yards in that game. Yikes. It sounds like they're trying to get out of town right there, is what it sounds like yeah, to me. Hubert uh, Anium yeah. was the leading receiver. Hubert Anium, uh, two, two catches for 17 yards. That's your leading receiver in 2009. What in, I don't even remember this game. Oklahoma State had 109 total yards in this game. I, if you bet uh, plus 10,000 was the number on Hubert Anium getting a mention on today's podcast, by nice. the way. Nice, yeah. So in, impressive. 61-41 Oklahoma the year before that. That was the Sam Bradford game where he flipped in the end zone in Stillwater. 
Uh, and then there's been points galore ever since then. Of course, Oklahoma State has put up their share. Too. You know, they score in Bedlam. I know they, they only had 16 uh, in 2019, 34-16 win. But they're not allergic to scoring points in this game. I just don't see how they can do it this week. I would lay the seven with Oklahoma. I'm not thrilled about it because it doesn't seem like Oklahoma covers when they're a favorite very often, and I'm not looking at uh, necessarily any hard numbers here. But the last time Oklahoma was a one uh, less than a 10-point favorite in this game, a couple of years ago, they won 62-52. Uh, you know, Oklahoma won – 38-20 as a 12-point favorite a couple years before that. I would lay the seven here. I just don't see how – let's say Oklahoma State holds OU to 30 points. I think that's – or under. I think that's realistic. I think Oklahoma State can hold OU to, down to 28, 27, maybe something like that. But I just don't know – I don't see OSU getting to 24. Yeah, the number Carson and I put on it on, on Monday was 30. If OU's under 30, gives Oklahoma State yep. a much better chance. Over 30, not so much. I picked the final score at 34 to 27. So maybe you a like little, the over then. Maybe a little bit of a cop out right on the number. I, I do yep. like the over, but even 34 27, I mean, that's 61 points. That's only two points over. And, and I'm picking it to be a seven point game. I know everybody wants to play the most exciting game of the year. I don't think I'm playing this game, Andrew, unless unless I can yeah. get some halftime value that I like. Right. Maybe I would try right. to bet it at half, but I don't think I'm betting yep. it before the game. The only thing I would possibly go with is the total, and I would go with the over because I think Sanders is good for a couple picks. And you know what? I think Spencer Rattler is good to put the ball on the ground once or twice too. And when you factor in any sort of turnovers, then it, it sort of negates your under because, you know, OU turns the ball over inside the 20. Well, you know damn well that Gundy's going to kick a field goal. Uh, and second of all, you know, OU's going to – they're going to put up some points, and if they get any help at all, they could easily get to 40, and then you bust that total pretty good. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, by the way – Give me the over, and I'll – yeah, give me the over, and I'll, I'll, I'll be wishy-washy on the, on the side. I, I don't have a feel on the side at all. Fair enough. I, I do like live betting, in-game betting. I think sometimes you can find some better value there. I don't know how many Masters plays you were on, but the best one of me all week, uh, DJ on Sunday bogeyed four and five right after he made the birdie on five. Yep. I, was, I was clicking refresh to see what his live odds were to win because I'm like, okay, they're not going to be this low again all day. I got him at minus right. 175 after he made the bogey at five. His lead was down to one at that point. So I bet him at minus 175. He immediately hits it to five feet on six, kicks that one in, yep. goes to like minus 300, and then yep. 30 minutes later, he was minus 700 or something ridiculous. So that was a yep. good that was a good live bet I had for the Masters last week. If you had DJ, speaking since we're transitioning to the Masters now, uh, if you had DJ at the beginning of Sunday to win, he had a four-stroke lead, right? What were you laying, 350? Uh, yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. I, I don't even remember. Okay. I, honestly, I didn't even look prior to the round because I knew it wasn't it wouldn't be good enough odds to be worth betting. My whole thought was right. if he makes a couple bogeys, bet him because then he'll go on a run. Well, at the moment that DJ's odds were the were the lowest for you to cash in on, I was getting pretty worked up as well. I was in Vegas getting ready to head back, but you know what I was doing, Colby, and you do know because I told you I was holding a ticket uh, on on Cam Smith. And that ticket on Cam Smith was pretty lucrative especially when I saw it, DJ's lead get down to two. And in fact, at one point on the back nine, I think he had it to within a two as well. Uh, tell me if I'm mistaken, but my Cam Smith bet was at plus 150. 
150 to one. And that was going to pay for uh, a lot of uh, future golf and a lot of future gambling. So I I felt real good about that, holding that ticket for the weekend because he didn't really fade. He didn't play poorly on Sunday. He didn't play poorly any day. I think he shot in the 60s all four days, which only a couple guys have ever done. Uh, Nobody has ever done it. Nobody has ever done it. Well, that second place ticket didn't get me anything, but I got a story, I guess, right? Yeah, you got a story. Betting runner-up golfers is always fun. It's like my my Harry Higgs bet earlier this year where he finished second to Stuart Sink. It's like that close, so close to hitting a long shot. I've had a couple second place finishes at the Masters. I'm not exactly excited about it, but uh, uh, an aside, a little sidebar is if you haven't been to Vegas since they've opened up this Circa Sportsbook, it is something to see. It's the largest sports book in the world. It is giant stadium seating. I went on a Wednesday afternoon to put down all my master's bets so there was hardly anyone in there and I could sort of take my time and not worry about being rushed at the window or anything like that. I'm Looking at the screen where all of the numbers are is one thing, but looking at the other screens where they have all the action going, it was like being in Jerry World with a giant video board. <laughs> and upstairs where the pool is, they have a 500 TV. You can swim up to the bar and put your bet down. Have yourself a cocktail on a 500-foot TV. That is phenomenal. Uh, I'm in on that. That just sounds it's awesome. Worth, it has, the hotel hasn't opened yet, but uh, there was some scenery in there. It was, it was worth the trip downtown. Uh, uh, we didn't stay downtown, but it was worth the trip downtown and the Uber fare there and back to, uh, to check out that place. Great sports book. Really cool atmosphere. Yeah. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back. It's yeah, amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's uh, let's transition to the NFL because we got some great yeah. games this week. And why don't we save the best for first? Because that's what the NFL is doing tomorrow night. We've got Arizona at Seattle. Obviously, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, the ridiculous hail mary that they pulled off on yep. Sunday to beat the Bills, and the Seahawks kind of yep. reeling after their worst performance of the season against the Rams. Seattle, a three-point home favorite on Thursday night. What do you think about this one? This is an easy call, Colby. I agree. Easy call. I think this is a situational spot, and I bet if you wait another day tomorrow at this time, it's Wednesday, if you can stomach it and wait till about this time tomorrow, you can catch the Adelaide getting. What did you say? What did you say the line is right now? Seattle's currently a three point favorite. If you could get the hook, if you could get them down to two and a half, it would be beautiful. Yep. I think it's going to go down to two and a half. It might even go down to one and a half because everyone saw what we saw. Kyler Murray is alive. He might be the best player in the league. He might not. He's going to be the best player in the league. He was phenomenal to watch. And I just don't see how anyone wouldn't think Cardinals is the play here. 57% of the money, 50% of the bet, though. I love the Seahawks getting points here. Yeah, I like the Seahawks. Just giving the three. Given the three, but it's going to go down. Yeah, it's going to go down, I promise you. Yeah, I have not betted at three. Wait for it to go down. Because the thing is, I would be shocked if it went up. I mean, I'd be shocked right. if it got to three and a half, four. I think it's much more likely to go the other way. And, and like you, I'm not certain that Seattle's a better team than Arizona. No, I think they're, they're pretty close. They're but this is okay. a situational play. Seattle, worst performance of the season, looked like trash. Arizona, you know, they've been talking about a Hail Mary for three days. Seattle's going to win this game, I think, over-under is 57 and a half, so what's that put us at? 31 to 26, 31, 27, somewhere in that neighborhood? There's going to be some points in this game, yep. Yeah, so we're on the same side. I like Seattle there. 
It, it opened at five and a half, Colby. It was minus five and a half. These guys know what they're talking about. The books know what they're talking about. Five and a half? Are you kidding me? Uh, and and it's, uh, now it's at uh, three and a half. So uh, people are all over Arizona here. I mean, yeah. and it, to me, that seems a little bit backwards. They were getting, you were getting five and a half with Arizona. Seattle's the play here. Seattle's absolutely the play. Yeah, I think so too. Let's go to another field goal line. This one is on Sunday, and this one is the Fighting Bakers. Cleveland is minus three at home against a Philadelphia team that I cannot figure out. I'm thinking to myself, oh, maybe they get healthy. They start to play a little bit better football. I don't know. They had Miles Sanders last week. Carson Wentz looked like garbage against New York. That offensive line's getting shredded. And Cleveland is just kind of running the ball. I mean, they played in 50-mile-an-hour win their last two games, so it's kind of hard right. to gauge what's going on up there. But do you like Cleveland right. minus the three? I don't. I like the Eagles here. This seems like a perfect spot for them. This seems like a perfect – you know, in, in my pick and pool, I might just pick Eagles to win this game straight up. I think it's another situational play. When the Eagles are dead, that's when they show up. I mean, that's when they show up, and they're not any good. I'm not saying that they are, but I would definitely take the three and a half. If you can get the three and a half, I'd settle on the three. Uh, all the bets are in on the Browns, of course. 63% of the bets, 56% of the money. The public loves the Browns here. Uh, it just, yeah, it's moving down. It's, it's, now it's plus three, just shifted here. We got ourselves a whole line change, a live line change here. Plus three at minus 105. So, uh, and if you want to lay the three with the Browns, you got to lay the 115. So, I, I think that's the play. I yeah. think the Eagles are the play here. I hate agreeing on the first two games of the week, but I actually I think Eagles on the money line at plus 155 is the play yep. because I, yep. I think one of two things are going to happen. Either Philly's going to come out, they're going to look dead in the water like they did against New York last week, or they're going to win the game. And I think it's more likely yep. that they win the game because their backs are completely against the wall right now. And I, I don't know. I, Cleveland has been good, not great. You know, when they can run the ball effectively and they've got Nick Chubb back, they look pretty good. I don't know. It just yep. Something feels off about this game with Philly coming off that atrocious loss last week. So I will take them to bounce back as well. What about, the, fi- what about the fighting Jameis Winstons? You think they're going to eat a W oh. this week? Minus five against the Falcons? Golly, I've, uh, you told me that you would be my guy. You would intervene if I ever thought Falcons again. You told me, no, no, no. You're going to take my money from me and not let me bet the Falcons. I like the Falcons this week. Stop. Stop I, I, what you're don't doing. Trust, don't bet the I Falcons. It, it, it better be a no play. 67% of the money is on the Falcons, 53% of the bets. Nobody trusts Jameis Winston. I can't back Jameis Winston. Matt Ryan actually has decent numbers against the Saints in his career. Uh, I don't trust myself on this one. I may go to the window with the Falcons. It's four and a half. Yeah. Four and right. up to five. It opened at four and a half. It's now up to five. Stop what Falcons you're... are giving me five points. Yep. Yep. Stop what you're doing. Don't bet the Falcons. You're going to regret it. So you don't trust Jameis Winston, right? I would imagine that Sean Payton shares that sentiment and that the game plan will not ask Jameis Winston to go out and throw it 40 times. I would imagine we're going to see a lot of Alvin Kamara, some Latavius Murray, some short passing game stuff to Michael Thomas, and I think New Orleans is just an all-around better football team. This this strikes me as like a, you know, they beat the Niners 27-13 last week. Uh, Niners Mm -hmm. real banged up, a lot of injuries, but this this feels like a 24-17 type game. To me, so I'm I'm on the other side. I like the Saints minus the five. Um, and and again, next week we're gonna get back on here, and I feel like I'm gonna be telling you, okay, Andrew, now is when you stop betting Atlanta. Okay, well, I I, I gotta tell you, uh, apparently it's on me at this point, right? Because I keep on doing it and I keep on losing. If I have to play this one, I'm taking the Falcons at the plus the five, though. Fair.
Fair enough. New England Patriots on the road. By the way, the winning streak, New England Patriots, barely sneaked by the Jets, and then they didn't dominate Baltimore. Baltimore had a chance late. Of course, it was in some of the hardest rain I've ever seen football played in. Whenever Baltimore got that last punt, you just you almost couldn't even see the players on the field through the camera. It was raining so hard. But New England's won right. two in a row against the Jets, and then this past week against the Ravens, and they are one-and-a-half-point favorites in Houston. You know why the Patriots are getting 91% of the money and 66% of the uh, bets on this one? Would you have any guess on that? Uh, people don't trust Houston. Because Houston's terrible. <laughs> that, this is a terrible football team. It opened at minus three. The Texans were at minus three. It flipped four and a half points. Who got the Patriots at plus three in this game? you got to be pretty thrilled about that, don't you think? I would think so, yeah. It's, it's weird because I can't figure the Patriots out either. They look good early in the year, and then they look just right. atrocious for three weeks. And then they look pretty good yep. against Baltimore last week. So I, yep. I don't know what the real New England is. Well, there's something screwy there with that number because I don't think you're betting the Patriots. I think you're just fading the Texans at this point. Uh, if you only have to lay two and a half, minus one and a half, something like that, I think that's the best place to play it. I think the Patriots is where your money goes on this one, even though that's a huge, huge public play, right? Give me the Texans plus the one and a half, Andrew. I'm going to swallow it. I'm going to hold my nose on Sunday. Why? What would convince you that that's because you can't figure out the Patriots? No, you, no, can, no. you can figure out the Texans, though. No, you no, can no. figure me, them out. Hear me out. Hear me out. So the line open Houston minus three, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not an accident. It's not an accident. They know what they're doing. Houston last week scored seven points against Cleveland. I think a lot of people are going to look at that. The wind was blowing 50 miles an hour. It was a game that was delayed because of weather. It was a, a complete disaster. Houston can move okay. the ball a little bit. They've got Will Fuller, can get behind. You know, the McCourty twins are getting up there in age. I don't know if Gilmore is going to be back. I wouldn't expect him to be. A lot of guys, Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, opted out, obviously. Houston's going to win that game, Andrew. Houston is going to beat New England on Sunday, and the what is New England really conversation is going to continue. Firebelichick.com. You can grab that now if you'd like. Firebelichick.com. I'm sure that's what Patriots fans are clamoring for, is the firing yeah, exactly. of Bill Belichick. Uh, here's a game between the Packers and a sneaky good team, the Indianapolis Colts, who have, yep. uh, I believe, yep. the number one overall defense in the NFL whenever you look at total yards given up. The Colts are one-and-a-half-point favorites at home yeah. against yeah. the Green Bay Packers. That seems screwy, doesn't it? That seems screwy. I mean, I, I don't trust Phillip Rivers uh, at all. and I think that a lot of people got scared off because didn't the Colts lose to the Jags like week one? They did, yep, in Jacksonville. Yeah, they, they've been a pretty decent team since then. Uh, 56% of the bets, 49% of the money is on the Packers. 51% of the money is on the Colts. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers having a great season. I think that's the team that you back right there. You're only laying a field goal. You've got the better team on the road. Uh, I just distrust it because it seems too easy right there. I think the laying Packers a field goal, are you, are you looking at an early week line or are you looking at something different? Uh, than oh, it opened, it opened at minus two and a half. Okay. Now it's plus two and a half. Now it's plus two and a half. Okay, I've got it at one and a half on Indianapolis' side currently. And I got to tell you, that's the side 
I like. I, I think that this Indianapolis team reminds me a lot of last year's San Francisco team that was physical, used multiple running backs to run it down your throat, yep. didn't ask their yep. quarterback to do a ton, but he could do enough when he needed to. Green Bay has a horrible run defense. Indianapolis will be able to run the ball. Indianapolis has a great defense. They'll be able to slow Aaron Rodgers. You can't stop him, but they'll be able to slow Aaron Rodgers. And I, I truly think that Indianapolis is going to win this game. So that's the side I would be on right now. Plus one and a half for the Packers. I'll take the other side of that. I like the over fifty-one and a half. That seems a little low to me. I like that we weren't on the same side of every game this week. That would have been a small oh, fast. Uh, what yeah, about Rams exactly. Bucks? Rams Bucks is a really good game, especially when you look at what LA did to Seattle last week. Just stifled Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, yeah. and Seattle couldn't move the ball. Tampa. It just seems like every week they either get blown out or they blow somebody out. This week, right. obviously, they'll have all three receivers and Gronk. Evans, Godwin, Brown, all healthy and playing. Gronk, healthy and playing. So, Tampa yep. Bay, minus four, just on the wrong side yep. of that number of three. What do you like in this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing four also. Uh, I thought the Bucks were the play last week against the uh, Panthers. Uh, tight game at halftime, and then just destroyed them in the second half. That was an easy winner. I had them at six, maybe five or six. can't remember the total on that. Uh, Bucks minus three and a half, minus four. I, I sort of think I'm going to go with the public here, 78%. And the money is on the Bucks, 54% of the ticket. So that tells you that that at least is a little bit more even. Like you said, I think the Bucks are hard to read, but you know what you get. The Rams seem too inconsistent for me. I would go the three and a half to four here and, and take the Bucks. Yeah, this is a total no play. If you force me to play it, I would play right. the Bucks if you force me to yep. play it. Because usually whenever I see a line of four, it feels like a line of four is begging me to put my money on the underdog because I'm on the right side of that three number. Um, you know, even like a 31-27 or a 28-24 gets you a push. But that makes me think mm -hmm. that maybe Tampa wins this game by by 10 points. And, I mean, like I yep. said, they've, they're either running away from teams. You know, they beat Carolina last week by three touchdowns, and then the week before they had what, like negative 100 yards of offense against the Saints and got beat a million to nothing. Yeah, so um, they were terrible. Yeah, weird team, weird team. Last one, and we'll call it a day. Really good game in Baltimore on Sunday. Two teams that are kind of moving the wrong direction need a win to steady their season. Baltimore is a six point favorite at home over Tennessee. I think that, uh, you know, is the book out on Lamar Jackson, that sort of thing. I can see them bouncing back pretty good here since, uh, you know, the Patriots sort of surprised them. I, I would lay the points with Baltimore here. I think that's the play more situational than anything else. Yeah, I like Baltimore minus the six for a couple of reasons. One, Baltimore's coming off that bad loss. It was it was bad weather. It was driving yep. rain. Uh, you know, yep. they had the, the trick play where the wide receiver throws a dime to Burkhead in the end zone. It was just it was kind of weird. The, the, the whole game just seemed kind of weird. Um, I think Baltimore is the better team. I think the book is out on Tennessee a little bit. I yeah. think, you know, yeah. double A.J. Brown, get an extra guy in the box for Derrick Henry and force one of the other receivers, Corey Davis or John o. Smith, the tight end or somebody to beat you. Uh, and I don't love that. So I think Baltimore wins this game. And I think they win it somewhat comfortably, somewhere in the 34 to 20 type neighborhood. Well, we're on the, we're against the public on this one because 64%. Uh, tickets, fifty-eight percent of the bets, uh, all on the Titans here. So you're getting, you're you're having to lay that touchdown, but maybe Tannehill isn't is the same guy, or maybe he's back to what we thought he always was. You know, they had that nice run last year. But I, I like the Ravens here. I like the Lamar Jackson bounce back too. I'm I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I think that I mean that's got to be the the money being on Tennessee. 
that's just got to be an overreaction to what happened with Baltimore, right? Yeah, I think so, too. Hey, can we check in real quick uh, before we do our survivor pick on uh, some Super Bowl odds? Uh, absolutely. Do you have it in front of you? I do have my bets from the beginning of the season in front of me, and I want you to reevaluate them and maybe put a grade on it. How about that? Okay, and I can get enough. us some. And I can get us some current. Let me get to current Super Bowl odds, and we can sort of uh, evaluate at that point. I've got them in front of well. me. The current odds. You got them. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll start with mine then, and you tell me what you think. Uh, first, I was with you, and I want Chiefs plus five hundred. Chiefs plus 500, so I had them at 6-1. to one. That was my only preseason okay. Super Bowl bet. I put 100 yep. on Kansas City at 6-1. to one. They are currently plus 325. So I still got some value on the Chiefs then. Yep. I got good value on yep. the Chiefs at 5-1. to one. Uh, My next play at 20-1, to one, Steelers. Steelers at 20-1. to one. You're getting a lot of value on that one. Pittsburgh is currently 5-1, to one, second best odds behind Kansas City. Well, hopefully we get a Chiefs-Steelers AFC championship, God, right? That'd be great. That'd be great. It would be good. It would be good. And I have, uh, and then I could hedge a little bit with the Steelers or with the Chiefs in that one. And well, I guess they'll be favored in that game, so that'd be tough to do. Mm, not, uh, not if it's in Pittsburgh, they might not be. Yeah, it might be a field goal game. You're right. It might be a field goal game. And then I have a live dog in the NFC. I only have one NFC play, but I think it's a live dog. I got the Arizona Cardinals at twenty-five to one. 25 to 1. See, I, I thought that you got them at like 35 or 40 before the season. You still have a little bit now, of value here, but not as much as I thought. They're currently 20 to 1. Okay. So, but dropping, certainly dropping on that. Yes. Because uh, every time they play, they look like they could win a game. Now, will they? Maybe not. But I think they're in the mix in the NFC. I don't know that they're the best team. But I think they're in the conversation, at least, and there's certainly a playoff game. Yeah, the top five in odds right now to win the Super Bowl, we talked about Kansas City and Pittsburgh. New Orleans is number three at plus 650. Tampa Bay is 7-1, to one, and Green Bay is 9-1. to one. So that's your top five. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Tampa, and Green Bay. Question. If they, um, if they tinker with the playoffs this year and more than uh, six teams from each conference get in, is that going to void your bet? No way. Not for a Super Bowl winner. It could. It could. It could. I don't not... think it will. I don't think it will. Okay. okay. Well, I'll hold you to that then. I'll yeah. hold you to that. If it, you'll, so you'll pay it out? You'll be the book on that? Just in case? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it when the time comes. Fair. We'll, ki- fair we'll, we'll kick okay. that can down the road. Okay. So who do you like for Survivor this week? Uh, Survivor this week. <laughs> Pittsburgh is a 10-point favorite against Jacksonville, and I can't decide – if that's just like a trap game for them to totally lose their undefeated I love season. Jacksonville. I love Jacksonville in the 10 here, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hovering way too much on the 10 there. I, I'm looking at a Chargers team that's minus nine this week against the Jets, but the Chargers Gross. or whatever, they're so much better than the Jets, but they're also allergic to winning, just absolutely yeah. allergic to winning. So I'm yep. going to take a team coming off his first win in 10 tries on Monday Night Football Give me Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings minus the seven against Dallas. They're going to turn and hand it to Dalvin Cook. He's going to rush for about 170 yards, and they're going to beat the Cowboys without too much problems. You stole my pick. You stole my pick because most likely, uh, because Minnesota started so bad this year, we just wrote them off. Uh, But they figured it out on defense. They lost all those guys from last year that were so good. All All their best players are gone. They figured it out. I think, I think their coach might be pretty good. You know, Zimmer's not too bad. And, 
I bet most people in Survivor have not taken the Vikings yet. And I'm not yeah, sure the Cowboys have. And, and that, so that helps because, you know, most people have taken the Packers. Most people have taken the Chiefs, that sort of thing. Uh, but I, my guess is most people haven't taken the Vikings. And are we sure, even though Dallas could win the NFC East, are we sure they're trying to win? I Boy, as a Dallas fan, I really hope they're not. I'd like that top three right. pick. I'd like that top three pick a lot more than I would like getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Well, they're going to be uh, five and eleven teams could very well represent the NFC. Hundred percent. Six and ten team gets in the playoffs, absolutely, and then they get beat thirty to thirteen in that first round game. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's what we're looking at here. So I don't know if Dallas isn't trying to win. I think the Vikings are your play this week. I'd stay away from the Chargers. I don't like that play at all. Yeah, I don't either. Because to me, it seems like the Jets are maybe good enough to not go zero and sixteen, which means they would have to win one somewhere. And for whatever reason, the Chargers, they just they get to the end of the games and they're like, no, nah, we're good. We're good. We'll take the L. Can you believe that at one week during Survivor this year, I actually took the Cowboys and survived? Wow. That was the game against the Falcons where they were down <laughs> a million and, and came back and won. Shout out to the onside kick coverage from Atlanta. Well done, fellas. Exactly. Thanks, By the way, another team that's kind of figured it out, Raheem Morris is doing a good job because Atlanta has won a few games since he took over, and they've looked a lot better. Even, even though I like the Saints this week, they've looked a lot better. Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, that, that's impressive. I think it, you get a breath of fresh air when, uh, when your coach leaves at Atlanta. I don't think that they love Dan Quinn over there, that's for sure. He'll uh, be back coaching the defense next year, and he'll be just fine. Yes, that's where he belongs. Coaching a defense. By the way, Atlanta now two hundred to one. I think they were thirty-five or forty to one prior to the start of the season. Wow. Okay. Well, there you have it. Yeah. There so they've gone it. way the wrong direction. Andrew, enjoy yep. Bedlam. Enjoy the NFL. We will do it again next week. Looking forward to it already. All right. Sounds like a plan. That is Andrew Gilman here on By the Hook. I'm Colby Powell. Find us on Twitter at Colby J Powell at Andrew Gilman. Okay. Thanks for listening. We're back next week with more By the Hook.